0: Game over. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's sports book.
1: Hello and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host for the night. I am Samantha. You can find me on Twitter at SamanthaCP underscore and I am joined by my go-to guest, recurring friend of the show, Lachlan at Luck in the Crease. Uh, make sure you go follow him. Does doing some great work for Canucks Army lately and just, uh, just an all-around great follow. How are you doing tonight, oh. Lachlan? Thank you so much.
0: I'm doing, I'm doing as well as I can, uh, considering the fact that the Canucks are definitely on their way to finishing 12th I mean, to Twitter last in the CP national hockey league And this year. I am joined uh, by my go-to well, guest. It is current- what it is. I mean, you can't hate them for winning, but yeah, yeah it's, they're, they're, they are, they're doing, you know what, they're doing exactly what we all thought they were, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Canucks win five two over the Ottawa Senators tonight. Andre Kuzmenko with two goals. JT Miller with another shorthanded goal, uh, and they are. Is this their longest win streak of the season? They this is their fourth win, fourth consecutive it. win. I think it is.
0: I think it is their longest win streak. I think. Well, I think up until this point they had not even been able to string together two in a row. I think that was the the long standing issue. Like I or no or no more not than more two. than two. Yeah, I think that was the I think that was the 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 uh the the bar they had to clear. Um, and Oh, good. They've done it. They've done they've it at done it. just the best
1: time to do it. <laughs> yeah, the connects connects with their 4th straight win. Um, before we get into it, going to shout out our sponsor uh, sports interaction. Want to bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the Diamond and March Madness is on deck. Bet pre-game, live and play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteractioncom SDPN. Or in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, let's let's get into it. What uh <sighs> What was the highlight of this scintillating Canucks Senators game for you? Ooh, I mean, I would have said
0: up until the I was real. I mean, up until uh, Patrick Johnson definitely jinxed jinxed him. Uh, no, <laughs> he didn't, but I'm gonna blame him anyway. Um, uh, jinxing Thatcher Demko's shutout there, right at the very end. Um, I think you got to. I think. I mean, I think the there's you know there's a the Dakota Joshua. Play that ended up being Nils Amon's goal, like that yeah. little that little just deke right to the front of the net that uh that gave them the three nothing lead. That was gorgeous. Um, but overall, I think that's yeah, probably Andre Kuzmenko. I know Kuzmenko was a big talking point on Twitter after he scored. He ended up with uh two goals on the night, including an empty netter. I mean, hey man, like he's he's looking great. He's looking great. Like there, he has not he hasn't lost a step all season. There has not been a point where he's hit kind of the the rookie lull. And I know he's not technically a standard NHL rookie, but for the most part throughout this season, like he's been very consistent and that's, that's huge for a team that's, you know, struggled so much with consistency, especially from their forwards.
1: So you're telling me you'd rather have Kazmenko than the late first round pick.
0: <laughs> I am I'll, now, now hold on. I I'm not necessarily, here's the thing. I, I, I first of all, considering that the Canucks had two first overall first round picks, they could have had both is the, is the funny part about that whole conversation, I think. Um, but at the same time, I will like, just to kind of throw my two cents into the ring here, the issue with the issue with Kazmenko has never been about him or about, uh or about even like his contract. Like, I think when I, when they announced his contract extension at the time, or what I wrote about at the time was There is nothing wrong with the player. There's nothing wrong with the contract. It's totally team-friendly, totally a nice thing to have. The issue is completely has really nothing to do with him. And so much as the issue of what are the odds that within those next two years of Kuzmenko's contract that the Canucks are going to be not only in the playoffs, but a like serious threat to win because and if you're, they're not going to be a serious threat to win the Stanley Cup in the time that he's here. What is really the value in holding on to him? Like we saw that with, um, like the Red Wings a couple years ago, with uh, where Steve Yzerman traded Anthony Mantha, who was a great player for the Red Wings at the time, but they moved him because they were like, well, the timeline just doesn't add up. Like he's, we're clearly not going to be competitive while he's in his peak, uh, his peak years. So there's not really a good reason to keep him around we might as well trade him now while he's at his highest value so and that was kind of the thing with Kuzmenko like it wasn't an absolute must move, make deal per se but I mean yeah like you got to ask yourself the question sometimes like how serious a contender are they going to really be within Kuzmenko's window through no fault of his own I think he can he's going to be great throughout the next few years but that's kind of where I'm looking at it from
1: uh, we are, sorry, I'm getting hardcore trolled by Brock McGillis I can, in the chat. I, I can see that. Hi, Brock. Brock says, 20 game winning streak. If you all follow, actually do do this. Um, Brock is, as many of you know, the founder and intrepid leader of uh, the Alphabet Sports Collective. So go follow ABCS Collective. He says, if you follow all of the accounts, the Canucks will make the second round of the playoffs, which is frankly more than the Toronto Maple Leafs can say that's that's
0: very true uh i i do follow abc abcs collective already so uh yeah you, you gotta and follow
1: you... it there was an amazing launch event on thursday night that i sadly had to miss i'm still very salty about it which is why i'm like extra upset that brock is here trolling me when i couldn't even make it to the party um <laughs> but if you follow all the accounts you can see the highlights of what happened at this party it, this looked, awesome. Yeah, it, it looked, looked awesome great. yeah it looked awesome yeah um speaking of looking great jt miller looking great lately and i know that's like words that have never crossed my lips this season (laughs) because i've been on a a strong anti-jt miller slant but he has looked more like the jt miller of the past two seasons lately than than the jt miller of earlier this season what what are your thoughts on his resurgence I mean, yeah, I
0: think I forget who I think it was uh uh obvi- it was uh my good friend Wyatt Arnt who made the the point of hey, it's interesting how suddenly how suddenly all uh you know any uh issue with JT Miller's play disappears when he's playing it when he's playing the way that he is right now. And it's like, yeah, like that's to, like cuz because yeah, like there there's never been like a lot of people seem to think it was a very like when some of us including myself were you know, taking issue with the way that Miller was playing early on the season, that it was like a personal vendetta thing. It's, but it, it's not. It's just about hockey. And like you're looking at him right now, like it's a, like he's a completely different player. He looks so much more uh, engaged on top of the puck. He's looking, he looks so much stronger in his own end, uh, especially on the PK like that and that's what we've been that's really just what we've been looking for all season from a guy, especially from a guy who's going into next year the first year of a contract that's going to pay him a lot of money for 7 years like that's uh that's what you want to see if you, if we're getting that the player we saw tonight every like for the majority of the next 7 seasons it's a lot harder to take issue with that contract um and yeah he's yeah he looked so he looked It looks light years better of late, and like, and yeah, again, like the PK has been the big thing there. Where suddenly the penalty kill is, I don't know, elite. Would you say? I I think it's getting close. It's getting with all the short with all the shorthanded goals they're scoring. Like, there's that's you know what that we gotta talk to the NHL about changing the way they score the penalty kill. Like the what your penalty kill percentage is. It should be based on. It should not only be based on do you kill the penalty. There should be extra points deducted if you score on your own on, on shorthanded
1: i like that uh if you're just joining us the canucks win 5-2 against the ottawa senators fourth consecutive win um i see there are 32 of you in the chat with us i uh, hit like if you haven't subscribed yet subscribe make sure you go follow at sdpn sports go follow lachlan at lock in the crease um we are going to You know what stood out to me tonight was even just looking at the score sheet and you you mentioned earlier that um Neilsen's goal was a gorgeous goal but also Sheldon Dry scored his 10th goal of the season like that's not that's some secondary scoring that is nothing to sneeze at and if you if you had told me at the beginning of the season that Neilsen would make the impact he had that Sheldon Drys would have 10 goals that Phil DiGiuseppe would have that breakaway that actually was Tantalizingly close. I would have laughed. Like the Canucks' third and fourth lines have looked also significantly better in the last last little while.
0: Yeah, I think the like the you can't you can't argue that they've definitely looked like the you know under Rick talk at the structure has looked a lot better, especially for those bottom lines. And yeah, it's 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 great to see the Canucks finally getting the supporting cast scoring that they've been looking for for a long time it's not necessarily you know it's not necessarily enough to make them a uh like a contender by any stretch but it's it's the kind that's uh it's 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 definitely closer to what you need because you look at like all the you look at teams that are like constantly in the playoffs. like look at the team that just clinched a playoff spot on march on march 11th the boston bruins right like that team has the depth scoring has a scoring where you know if Patrice Bergeron, David Basternak, and Brad Marchand aren't scoring, they're still getting it regularly from the other three lines down the middle. Like That's
1: why they like uh, are the fastest team in NHL history to clinch. Yeah, like,
0: unreal. And, you know, we're not saying the Canucks necessarily need to get to that level of, of oh, depth. Oh, no, I think I they think should. Even, I mean... I mean, I think they should think too. They should. But like it, it, it's not necessary that's not necessarily, That's easier said than done, I think. Uh for hence why they're the first team to ever clinch this quickly. Um but I I I do think that like yeah, this is the kind of things you look for and I, one of the things that I really hope for when the Canucks brought in Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine from Pittsburgh is that we'd see kind of closer to what the Penguins got because the Penguins were very good about finding those guys who you've kind of never really heard of, and then all of a sudden you put them on a team with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, and suddenly they could score 15 goals a year. Uh, Sheldon Dries has been a huge breath of fresh air on that front. He's he's like, yeah, he he's he's not maybe not not necessarily like. Showing that he should be a regular NHLer per se. I think there's still a lot of work on that front to go. But in terms of like from what he we've seen from him this season, like yeah, like holy cow, they're getting so many more, uh, they're getting so much better contribution from those guys.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch, even while the rational part of my brain is like, why do you keep winning? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's
0: one of the it's one of those it's like. Again, very much a, you know, this really would have been helpful in, I don't know, October, <laughs> November. Yeah. Or before, before the their fate,
1: their fate was sealed. Uh, <laughs> I think if you dig up one of the first shows you and I did together of Game Over, we talked about how the Canucks start to the season was, like, this team is not as bad as its starting record was, or even the first half of the season was. Like, that's why it was confusing. It's like... Yeah, I didn't think you were going to be good. I just thought you'd be kind of mediocre to average, like playing for a wild card spot. And I think we both said at the time like they are eventually the most frustrating thing is we're going to have to suffer through this misery first half and be like get everyone on board to tank, get get everyone on board to be like Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, like it's on the board, let's just go for it. And then right at the end when it doesn't matter anymore and even like the biggest tank holdouts are like okay fine let's do it they will win their way to the mushy middle and i feel like that's exactly what is happening right now
0: yep that is it precisely what has happened i honest i will say i honestly i didn't see i i don't think i saw this coming this time around specifically just because i didn't think that the coaching change was gonna give really much of a boost uh to what they're to what they're to what they're doing um, but I mean, it's clearly it's working right now. I and mean, I, I
1: think it was coaching change plus Demko coming back in way better form than he started the season yeah. and also an extremely friendly schedule. Right. I, there's a lot that's gone right for the, that's good. The,
0: the, the Canucks have gotten a lot of bounces and especially in terms of the scheduling it's a get, but it, it, and again, it's just one of those like, Guys, you really need to figure this out in the first 20 games rather than like at the very end when it's already too late. It's, it, it, I've never, it's, I've never seen anything like it. A team that is so good at winning when it's absolutely way too late. Like, there, and- it, it's like, there, it's like you're already out of the playoffs. There's no way you're making it this time around. Like last year, there was maybe a chance like you were there. And whereas this year was like, okay, the Pacific division is not very good. You, if you, if you start the season at a decent clip, you could probably jump through and maybe get into that. Especially this season. I picked them. Yeah. I picked them to make the, I think I picked them to, as like the first wild card, I think in the Pacific uh, or in the, the Western conference. And of course they started out so terribly that, it doesn't matter anymore. Like it's too late. And that's, and that's the bummer
1: here. Yeah. Kcy says, I feel like a bond villain watching the connects escape defeat after defeat.
0: Yeah. I think that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dr. Doofenshmirtz for any of you, Phineas and Ferb fans, like he just keeps coming up with new innators that always have a self-destruct button uh, just sitting there. And it's like, why do I design these with them? Why do I design these with a self-destruct button? I don't know why I keep doing this. And he does it again anyway.
1: Uh, Buyasha says, to be honest though, talk it just seems like a much better coach in terms of structure and clearly it works, which is why those bottom line guys are buying in and producing more. And I think that's that's what we touched on earlier with um Sheldon Drys getting 10 goals and and those those bottom lines producing way better and playing way better than we thought they were.
0: Yeah, I do also, I will say I don't like I I wonder how much of it uh, again, because remember this happened last year with Boudreaux, right? Like the pretty much the same thing happened uh, when they made the coaching changeover from Boudreaux, from uh from Travis Green to Boudreau last season. Which God, that feels like a decade ago now. <laughs> um, Dude, firing Boudreau feels
1: like a decade ago.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, a thousand percent. I will say that I think I I I I hazard I I hazard to say that like talk it. Coaching has made the team is what's made the team like light years better so much as it is the, okay, we know who's coaching us from here on out, right? Because when you know the coach is on his last, like his last stand here, regardless of what you do, it's kind of hard to focus on winning games at that point, right? Like the Canucks kind of knew more or less that Boudreaux was toast by what? uh, November, November. early November, mid November, at the latest at the latest. Yeah. So, it and it's hard to really like, yeah, get yourself up to play a, to play a, an exciting hockey game when you know, your coach is about to get canned in the, is about to get canned or, or in some cases, uh, dragged into the public square for about three months. Um, and yeah, when you suddenly, when that when that like depressing stress is off your shoulders, suddenly it's a lot easier to come to the rink again. Even if, like, you know, I'm not saying that talk, it's uh, changes shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be under like um, uh, taken like taken for what they are. But like, I do wonder, like, how I do want wonder at like how much of it is really to do with the coaching so much as it is the that that huge weight coming off the player's shoulders. Yeah, I well. mean, in a
1: lot of ways, do you think? Rick Tockett systems are that much different than Travis Green's
0: no I really don't that's the big thing for me is I really don't think that what I think what we're seeing is very similar to what we saw with Travis Green and I and which which is very funny in hindsight like it does make you almost wonder like if um, if Rutherford had been in charge to make the initial coaching change would Travis Green still be here like that's it's, 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 it's an interesting thought exercise, but as far as like, yeah, what, what talk is doing, I really don't think it's much different from what Travis green was doing before. Maybe just a little bit more playing like the top guys, but like, yeah. even then, like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Um, if you're joining us now, the Canucks win their fourth consecutive games beat the Ottawa senators five to two, Andre, cause scores two goals. JT Miller has yet another shorthanded goal. um, we are going to continue the Rick Talkit talk into our third segment, and we're going to play a game called What is Rick Talkit Doing? <laughs> Which is, again, a very weird thing to do after a win. And, you know, you can make of that what you will. But tonight, uh, Quinn Hughes played 28 minutes and 46 seconds. Elias Petterson plays 24 minutes, 10 seconds. JT Miller plays 22, 22. Thatcher Jemko plays his fifth in the last fifth out of the last six games. Um, When Rick Talkett first started and he was playing Artur Silovs and, you know, Riley Stillman was leading in time on ice and all that. I said, Rick Talkett understands the assignment. And now with, with the minutes that we're seeing, the calls that we're seeing, and frankly, OEL just being held out of the lineup. I don't think Rick Talkett understands the assignment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. It's uh it's,
0: interesting that interesting how so suddenly you know after the Canucks spent a first round pick and a second round pick to acquire a defenseman who has yet to play a single game uh the Canucks are suddenly uh, really trying to win a lot of games Um, okay so here's like the thing and you and I talked about this before the show and I've talked about this as recently like again this is again I feel like I'm living Groundhog's Day with this team a little bit the the biggest the I said last year uh many times after the the boudreaux boost back then that the worst possible thing that the Canucks could do is try and go all in on this playoff push because they think that they're good again. And in doing so, they overplay Thatcher Demko to the point where he gets injured. And suddenly they start next season in worse shape because they lost their goaltender to start like late in the season. And he's not fully healed up by the time it's uh, the regular season starts. And sure enough, like clockwork, that's exactly what happened. They completely uh, tanked their lottery chances. Uh, They, and still missed the playoffs and injured Thatcher Demko because they overplayed him in the, in the last month and in the last, like two months of the season. And uh, he came back ice cold. He looked way worse off. And the the Canucks lost a bunch of games right out of the beginning of the season. And right now, I feel like we're seeing the exact same problem playing out in real time with Rick Tockett and specifically Quinn Hughes, where I'm looking at him playing almost 30 minutes every night in a meaningless game in the middle of March. And, like, putting aside all the, like, obvious, like, the tank, oh, this ruins the tank thing, they're not going to make the playoffs part, I'm just looking at this as a complete carbon copy of, oh, my God, they're going to injure Quinn Hughes, and he's going to not be ready to start next season, and they're going to start ice cold again. And that's, like, that is, it's a huge red flag how much they're playing these guys in these meaningless games, to me.
1: To to be fair, I think Rick Tockett said they are. playing meaningful games in his book
0: (laughs) oh boy Uh, which is very interesting considering he started his time here saying that this is an extended training camp
1: yeah that that changed real fast and uh tony smolak says tony tony was uh for for people who are who are regulars at game over tony was very anti-tank and tony is one of the people who i pointed out all the anti-tank people finally embraced the tank and then they decided to start winning (laughs) and so we are now all at a crossroads about what is happening
0: yeah like i'm like i know some people are like they like i'm not saying that they shouldn't be playing like like i i know a lot of people but i know there have been like you know some takes going around of like oh they should be they should be shutting down players at this point like they should be they should find reasons to shut down other players and i'm not like suggesting they go that far but i would just like it's like you could just, you can really just roll four lines and see what happens. Like there is zero need to be playing Quinn Hughes this much. And like, I get that, like from certain points that they're like, okay, like on the power play, for example, like I get wanting to play him in all the power play time you want, because that's the kind of uh, like time and structure uh, that would really help you going into next season. But if you're going to do that, like if to, like tonight, for example, I believe he played eight minutes on on uh, special teams or at least on the power play. That means then cut back his even strength time. Yeah. Like, please. In a game not-
1: that in a game they were dominating, like somebody else yeah. made the point in the chat. Josh Watkins says they were arguably dominating tonight. Why was he playing so much? Like, yeah, this was a perfect game for them to roll four lines and not overplay their top players. It was it wasn't necessary.
0: Yeah, it was it's completely unnecessary. Like there is no reason why like Vasily put should be playing eight minutes. Why Vitaly Kravtsov should be playing eight minutes. Like the, like it, there, it, it boggles the mind that this is the kind of like way they plan to run the rest of the year because, because man, you are setting yourself up for a real, for a, a potential disaster where again, you've over, you overtax your players they are, when you're fatigued, you're the, the chances of you getting uh of you get of an injury go up so quickly. And again, suddenly it's like, well, you've tanked your lottery odds and you've injured your play your, two your best players that you need for next season to potentially make the playoffs, which is what you insist you're ready for. And it's like, it's like, again, it's, it, it just feels like a scenario where they're, setting themselves up for failure next season already just by the risking the long-term health of their players right now
1: yeah i i absolutely agree with all that i think that you know if you look at the schedule they've got anyway and the players they've got who are young exciting untested this is actually talk its original plan of an extended training camp is what they should be going with like let these younger players untested players play i'm not saying like I'm not saying shut down Demko or Miller or Hughes or Pedersen. Like play them a regular amount of minutes, but you don't need to load up on them. Yeah. And and it just it makes no sense to me. Um, I want I want to do a couple minutes on uh, OEL because sure. Peter Peter Win says Team Tank R I P date of death March 11th. Tank commanders, we appreciate your service. Um. <laughs> You made a great point before we came on, and that is that taking OEL out of this lineup has actually made this team significantly better.
0: Yeah, like, uh, like, I don't like it, it was it was funny when he got injured looking at the the defense, which right now is Hughes, Burroughs, Juleson, Breezebois, Myers and Wolanin. And going like, oh, God, this, like, uh, like you look at it on paper, you look at it, and you're like, wow, the, the tank is about to roll out in full force. And weirdly, it's gotten much better. <laughs> and it's one of the, it, it's really alarming. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not just that it's been, like, marginally better. It's alarming just how much better the defense looks with, say, a Noah Juleson out there than Oliver Ekman Larson, which is very concerning uh, for a to say about a player who you have signed for the next, what four years after this five years at uh, an insane amount of money,
1: eight, eight, 8.25 before the, without the retained salary.
0: Yeah, it is. It's one of those. You really gotta, you, if you're the Canucks, God, you, you really, I, and I hate to say it because again, Oliver Ekman Larson by all accounts is a very nice guy. And like, it, but it's clearly it's got clearly gone to a point now where the uh, where he is clearly not one of their six best defensemen at this point, which is like
1: deeply concerning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, yeah Josh Watkins in the chat says it's shocking how OEL's absence has been either not noticeable or a noticeable improvement. The Canucks under this since OEL
0: got hurt, I believe the Canucks are four and one. Or like close to that, I think it. I think it. I think it's four and one right so far, uh, without Oliver ekman Larson on the blue line. Which, to be fair, let's be like, let's be fair here. That also happens to coincide with Thatcher Demko coming back, so that also can play into it. But the defense has clearly looked better, as well as how as Demko doing is doing his duty.
1: Yeah. Uh, and Jim yeah, Rutherford this is the line I harped on a lot at the beginning of the season when he said uh, the defense is certainly adequate if it's healthy it turns out it's better than, than adequate <laughs> yeah. when it's not healthy
0: yeah and th- again this is coming after they traded Luke Shen who was a good he was doing pretty well like who who is clearly good enough to uh, uh to warrant Toronto picking up, up for a third rounder, like yeah it suddenly again it suddenly yeah when they're not healthy they look better um the problem is really like it's again one of those like like if oel was making what two million a year like we wouldn't be having this conversation at all but it's the fact yeah, that but he I, makes the most out of everybody that's the that, thing though
1: right like that's always been the connects issue even with jt miller and people harping on him this season it's never really that these players aren't adequate or like living up to expectations it's just that for whatever reason they keep getting these contracts that they are deeply clog- concerning yeah
0: they keep clogging up their, their cap space to, for uh, for the pl- for players like yeah. a couple players yeah and yeah like I, like I know people are like thinking about like oh you know are they going to buy out OEL like I mean under the current structure that they're going you can't like you just can't you cannot afford to have his cap hit on your to to have it to pay him to not play for you like as far as your cap space is concerned for the next what seven years eight years something like that I think is the buyout calculator yeah like you your only option really realistically if you're indeed set on going for the playoffs year after year is you kind of have to go to him and be like hey uh can we, can, can any chance you're <laughs> allergic to your equipment and we can send you to Robidah Island for the next four years? Just, just a little Marian Hosa issue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like that's kind of it. Like you have to kind of, you have to find a scenario where essentially you can, uh, you can send them to the, to Robida Island as long until the Arizona coyotes are ready to launder that yeah. contract. Like that's, that's, that's your only option at this point, because again, like, yeah, you cannot have that. Like for all the like issues people, for all the complaints people had about the Luongo Capri capture thing. It's like, you can't do, well, you can't do exactly that for the next seven years willingly like that's where that's that's your only option like this is really the only option with OEL at this point
1: oh man um okay Canucks win 5-2 over the Sens last comment of the night Tony Smolak says instead of being choked that the Canucks are winning how about giving the evil eye to teams they've beaten I expected so much more from the opposition you
0: know what that's 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 fair like (laughs) I don't feel like I've been
1: being choked the Canucks are winning I feel like I've been like uncharacteristically positive the last three shows I've done like I don't even know who I am anymore I'm like oh I'm actually enjoying this uh don't you just love a good existential the Canucks uh, are
0: great at giving existential crises
1: like I think I may have just reached the point where I'm like yeah you know what I knew they were gonna do this I knew they weren't actually gonna tank I knew they'd be in the mushy middle and so I I give up on a rational plan I just I give up I will just
0: it's almost comforting yeah (laughs)
1: listen I was right and they're winning what could
0: yeah. what could be what could be re- yeah. wrong with that i think i commented uh so i commented on uh the uh when you did the episode with uh, a friend of the show rashma Marzadeh. that that was unnaturally um, positive yes that uh, i have reached the the john boyce level of like of uh un- of like a uh, zen with this hockey team where like I I have gotten to the point now where it's like I don't really care if they win or if they lose. I am on the side of as long as I get good stories out of it. This is this is what I want because like if uh, if you for, for those of you who have never watched the the incredible documentary uh, done by a, a YouTube channel called Secret Base that goes into the history of the Seattle Mariners. Which if you go and look at it, there are so many parallels to the Vancouver Canucks in there uh in terms of just like how their story is gone and like their their team history is gone one of the things that they talk about in that is how the how despite the fact that the, the Mariners have never been to a world series you can't look at their story and be like oh this is an incomplete story like and that's kind of the crux of it and the 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 line he uses is that the Seattle Mariners are not are not competitors they're protagonists and i think that so oh. beautifully and I think that so beautifully sums up the Vancouver Canucks where hockey just kind of happens to the Canucks. Like they're not playing it. They're just, they're just experiencing it. That just blew my mind. Cause <laughs> that's actually so accurate. I, I think it's, I think it's the per like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, this is the perfect analogy for the Canucks. And I use it all the time because I love it. I, I- it real it really is like, it's incredible. Like the, some of the stuff you get out of, uh, like the Canucks story, like the Canucks like history and everything, like look back on like so many different weird things that have happened to the Canucks over the years, like a puck bouncing off a stanchion to win a, to win a, to win a, a series, a playoff series, like in the seventies, people like streaking on the ice. Like there's a like a I, the Canucks history, literally starting with like a lottery wheel to decide who got oh the gosh. first overall pick. Like there is the list yeah. goes on. Like this is, this is the Canucks at their finest. And like, we're get we've gotten a lot of those kinds of weird moments out of this year, too. Like, so the, many. Yeah. So like many. It, yeah. Like, the, the, like the banana, the, but Andre would be a perfect, uh, Dorktown subject. Uh, just like the banana and Pepsi thing is fantastic. <laughs> Like, I'd, Hey, like I, um, I think John boys has said that they never will do a, Canu- uh, a hockey dork town because, uh, him and like the people there, they just don't know enough Yeah, about, they just don't know enough about hockey to talk about it. And listen, guys, if you play your cards, right. I can't say I won't do a Canucks dork. I Canu- my own version of a Canucks dork town at some point in my career. Uh, like I would love to
1: definitely do that.
0: I, I would love to, and it, and honestly, it's it's. I'm not kidding. It is on the list. I would have to get permission to do it, but I would love to. I'm gonna start like harassing David quadrelli Oh, please do just it, for please. this. Yeah, I, I will oh, bully I
1: David did. until he lets you do it.
0: See, I thought you honestly. I thought you were just gonna stop there and be like, I'm just gonna harass Quads every day for just because, <laughs> <laughs> just because. Hey, what
1: you just doing? just like, for the entertainment of it, just for the entertainment value. <laughs> um avery says can't wait to see what april brings to the canucks might find out jim rutherford is actually three raccoons in a human suit no that's ken holland avery that's just ken holland yep
0: Mm -hmm. that is ken holland that is that is ken holland like looking at or uh sorry i would honestly i would say that was uh or chuck fletcher until he got fired yes like Uh, yeah looking for hmm what what sort of problematic person can i trade for today
1: (laughs) oh god um (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you again, Lachlan, for jumping on. Canucks win yeah. 5-2. Uh, they are playing next. I should know this, but I don't. They are playing.
0: Think... Uh, They're playing uh, uh, on Tuesday against Tuesday. Dallas.
1: Ah, Dallas beat the Kraken tonight. Miro Heiskanen I... in an overtime. I
0: yeah oh there we go i just so ha it's funny i just so happened to have like the canuck dog calendar sitting next to my desk here that's and awesome you know who is you know who's the cover the cover boy for march who it is luke shen and his dog oh Riffy.
1: oh
0: uh luke shen's Oops. wife
1: had their baby uh congratulations to the shens congrats, congrats and he is shens. now on his way to toronto
0: that's fantastic that's yeah. so great
1: And on that note, uh, have a great Saturday, everyone. And we will see you on Tuesday. Kaya is going to be hosting the show. Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye.